0: I
1: V M Welcome to the Equity Sahiya podcast with Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. This podcast will delve into the investment insights and philosophies of Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company and speak about the frameworks used by them to assess various sectors for investment. Folks, welcome to the show. Today's episode is going to be about something that all of us can relate to. It's going to be about the consumption sector. Okay, all of us, even on a daily basis, consume items. Okay, so that's why consumption. But the consumption category as such has a lot of differentiation. It has evolved over the last few decades in India. It has a lot of potential. And of course, it is a sector that you need to be in. So I know your question is, how do I buy a stock in that sector? Well, just hang on to that thought. We're going to answer all of this, okay? In our usual format that we follow for the Equities here podcast, first, we're going to define the consumption sector, how it's evolved over the last few years, what is the potential and the opportunity today, and finally, how do you choose a great stock? My guest for this episode is Shailunkar. Senior Vice President at Motira Loswal Oswal Asset Management Company. Shreve, welcome to the show. Thank you, as always, for doing this for us. This is a really exciting sector. A lot of us, I can relate to this. You know, all of us uh, buy so many things in the consumption sector. And we've seen our patterns also change. Let's just get into this straight away. Let's start with how you define the consumption sector. We had this episode on autos. You could say that autos is one type of consumption, right? Bikes, cars. But here, for today's show, It's going to be totally different, right? So let's get into the definition of the consumption sector.
2: So consumption is a very wide word. It's uh, even pharmacy is consuming, even uh, data is consuming, even telecom is consuming, even auto is consuming. But for this podcast, we are really restricting ourselves to the FMCG sector, as we call it, where we consume to sustain our lives. And typically the definition breaks into just two categories. One is staples and one is discretionary. The simplest way to understand the two categories is staples is something what you need to live a life. And discretionary is something that you want to live a life. You need not necessarily need it, but you still want to have it in your life to, uh, you know, aspirationally feel accomplished. So that is one, uh, you know, very simple way of cutting the two. The other way of cutting the two definitions between staples and discretionary is staples is typically less volatile. It is a lot more inelastic to the income volatility that we all have in our lives. Whereas discretionary is a lot more elastic to the income profiles or income volatility of our lives. So to that extent, discretionary is high risk, high growth because of the volatility part of it. Um, and staples is low, low, low risk, but secular growth but lower growth than discretionary. Yeah. So, that is one, uh, you know, simpler way of distinguishing one. With and if I were to
1: just break it down to something like Roti Kapda so You could say that Staples is Roti Kapda now, Like, you will have your bath. Absolutely. you do need
2: your soap. Absolutely. So, soap becomes staples. Am I right in that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so uh, in staples, the journey typically every consumer or every country or globally that takes is that you start consuming what is bare, bare essential necessities. So, if you would recollect earlier, you used to use Colgate powder to, you know, brush your, to to clean your, um, make sure that you have dental hygiene. Yep. Then you move to the white toothpaste. Now you're moving to this gel toothpaste and you're, now you're moving to more advanced herbal toothpaste and all those things. You have to consume it. But as your income grows, you start consuming a little better of the same. But in discretionary, what happens is, say, 10 years ago, if I was earning 1 lakh rupees a year, I would never even think of ordering a pizza. I would always restrict myself to a pav or to, you know, one of these uh, fast food uh, things. But today, if I'm earning 6 lakh rupees or 5 lakh rupees, a pizza is in my life. For yeah, sure, yeah. in 365 days, there will be 5 days when I will have pizza. Now, that pizza is not... I can do without it, but aspirationally, I desire to have a pizza and that is why it's called a discretionary.
1: It's like literally the meaning of the word discretion. There is a choice for you there. I think one of the best examples that I can think of is I have to eat dinner. I have to eat food. Now, how I choose to eat it is different. That's changed, right? You could maybe at one point of time, we used to eat homemade food. You used to cook food at home. Now what? It's Sunday evening. You don't want to cook. You have seen a week. So you order. Right, you know, So that's the broadly the definition? Absolutely.
2: So within that also you can further contextualize. Uh, okay. So within that also what happens, Say, suppose if you're sitting in a joint family, uh, calling food home from a restaurant, home delivery or QSR as we call it, could be actually discretionary because you need not, but you will because you want to experience yes. some other food. But if you are in a nuclear family where your husband and wife both work and they both work for 12 hours, 10 hours, including the commute time, and then they come home, but they have to have dinner, so they have no option but to call for food from outside. So for them, actually, it it takes it starts taking a staple color.
1: Yes, it's so, not a question of discretion; it's actually a question of necessity. Necessity. Yeah. Okay, let's get into you know the evolution um, of this sector because I know that in India, consumption is a is a very very big and powerful theme within the GDP composition within GDP growth. Consumption plays a very important role for all of us. So let's just get into the evolution. Because I know that as India has gone up the wealth chain or as people have come out of poverty, the color and the texture of the sector has also changed. So just walk us through that.
2: So, uh, so far, India's story has been a lot, lot more about staples. Um, and, 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 and staples, we have a history which is long enough, which is credible enough. And where we can look back and make some conclusions discretionary is still a very uh, nascent sector or a nascent share of wallet of the Indian consumers as of date. Will it remain? So after 10 years, answer is no. But staples, what today staples is discretionary will be 20 years later for us. Okay. So looking back at staples itself, if you look at the last 15-20 years, what you would see is, as I mentioned to you that it is a lot more inelastic to the income volatility of our lives. And as a result, what happens is the growth is typically a lot more secular. The volatility part is less and it's secular. So, what we've seen historically, if you cut the revenue growth of the last 10 15 years, which is about 12 to 13 percent, and if you cut it out, you broadly you will notice your volume growth pretty much tracks 1.2 times the GDP, real GDP growth. So, if your real GDP growth is 7 percent, your volume growth will be about eight to nine percent thereabouts. On top of it, because it's an FMCG, you do get a pricing power to the extent of your inflation that you want to pass on. So typically in the last 10 years, we've seen about 3-3.5% being passed as part of the pricing part. And on top of it, there are people who consume better. As we discussed earlier, if you were consuming a lifeboy, now you're consuming a Lux, and tomorrow you'll consume a Dove. Yep. So the same soap, the same for the same objective, you are spending more. Correct. So that is the premiumization part. So all these three vectors put together has given that kind of growth in the last 15-20 years. And there is no reason to believe why the same can't continue. Because even if your uh, inflation is going down in India in general, and so as a result, your maybe your pricing led by CPI can come down, but your premiumization can go up. So one can offset the other. Yep. So the trajectory-wise, there is not much big shift that what you saw over the last 15 years, you will see in the next 15 years. In fact, you will see it continuing sure. for all you know. But however, in the discretionary side, because it's an emerging category and it's an emerging trend, uh, today, say, almost, as you know, as we discussed, there are just about 2-3 crore people who have credit cards today in India. Now, these are the people who use who spend a lot more of their wallet on discretionary than on staples. Hmm. This is a small portion of a population today. Maybe 10 years later, this will be a far bigger share of a population. That's when discretionary becomes very, very big as a category. So discretionary, by definition, will grow at a far higher clip than the staples. And then there is this inflection point globally
1: that we've seen, right? Because we know from the experience of other countries, who've, who've probably grown to be developed countries, that there is a certain per capita income threshold, as we say. After that, things really change. Absolutely. So where is that threshold?
2: So, so the threshold typically what we've seen uh, globally, so this is, you know, when you analyze pattern of consumption and you try correlating it with certain factors which happen coincidentally... In most of the geographies, people have, economists and pundits have kind of realized that $2,000 per capita is that threshold. When your consumption actually changes, your pattern of consumption and your velocity of consumption both changes very much. So, you know, we can take an example of say China. In China crossed the $2,000 per capita threshold in 2006. And after that, consumption grew at 2.6 times for the next five years. Wow. In five years, consumption was 2.6 times of what it was. Wow. However, in the previous five years, before it crossed the 2000 dollars threshold, it actually grew 1.6 times. So that gives so you, you an idea. So you, that gives you an idea of how the velocity changed from 1.6 times in the first five-year block to the 2.6 times in the second five-year block. And within this also, there was a pattern change where discretionary was a far higher share of your wallet versus the rest. Sure. So India is typically 14, 15 years behind you know, broadly speaking to China.
1: Yeah, And then of course, you know, we've compared this uh, country to country. I know for a fact that India is also an extremely, uh, you know, I don't know who exactly put it this way, but it's a nice way of putting it. India changes every 5-10 kilometers. If you've traveled across India, you've seen that it is so diverse, not in terms of geography, but also in terms of people and in terms of their preferences. So... How does that impact things?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So what you said is right, right? There are a, there are roughly 120 languages which are recognized oh. by law. And yeah. there are so many more languages which are not recognized, but there are languages which people speak differently. And India does change. So India is very heterogeneous. And that is why most of the successful companies have become successful because they identified this part. They never came to India saying this one product is for every state and every Indian they said, okay, for this state, I will make this product more available versus this product. So they started treating states as countries instead of treating all states together. Yes, and that is what is the unique aspect also because of which what happens is regional brands have still remained strong. So there is no one Hindustan Lever, there is no one Nestle which can say I have it all because there are regional brands who give actually even these strong MNC brands a tough fight. Many times. Uh, Because at the regional level, these guys have a much better local connect and local understanding of the customers. Plus they have a distribution which is at scale. A scale distribution at a regional level. Which may still be subscale at a pan-India level. But at least at a state level or at a district level, they are very, very well entrenched. And they are able to connect and understand the consumer far better than anyone else. And because of which this uniqueness of taste and uniqueness of pattern of consumption uh, they are able to capitalize it much better than anyone else. Yes. And that is why today we see regional brands being much
1: stronger. I think there is, you know, for any listener out there who wants to know more about this, there are so many case studies for you out there. What I can roughly remember, Nirma used to be there, very strong regional player. There are very, you know, there are other players that make a certain particular product, maybe a hair oil. And Absolutely. people love that hair oil and they don't want to trust anything. But I, I know that consumption also runs on brands, if I'm right in
2: that. Absolutely. And in fact, actually, if you see Anupam, so the preferences are so varying. Like a cooling oil will just run in UP Bihar far more than it will do in South. However, a coconut oil, it is people in South, for them, it's staple. It's not a discretionary. Right. And, uh, you know, the prevalence of coconut oil is far less in the, in, in the UP Bihar belt. Likewise, the food taste preferences also changes a lot. Yeah. So because of which sometimes you can't scientifically decide that what will click with the consumer you mm. have to keep trying and then once it clicks it clicks yeah and talking about clicking
1: you can't you know uh, finish off this part of the discussion on the evolution without mentioning the single brand that has captivated so many people in the last four five years it has come from nowhere i don't know how it's come up but there's patanjali so you know how did that happen or rather you know how do you how do you size up that
2: so Patanjali was actually a very significant landmark in in, in terms of a revolution because it gave us two things. One, it, gave, it created a completely new category in the minds of the consumers called herbal, uh, which was absolutely not so prevalent. And it took the awareness level to another level. So one is it got a new market completely opened up to the whole FMCG space. The second, it sent a message to many companies that you better... Think about, you Indianize, you should Indianize, you should be Indianizing far faster than you are. Otherwise, you know, yeah, there is a credible competition. So these are the two things, positive effects that Patanjali had. And Patanjali had a huge surge. They were, they were in two years, they had, they had a, almost a revenue of 10,000 crores. Um, however, they've not been able to sustain because sure. in India, because India being so vast in just the sheer topography of it, distribution is very key yes and which patanjali couldn't execute to that finesse which other companies have and as a result today their sales are down 30 40% from the peak okay so today patanjali is a less of a threat but it was more of a you know management lesson it will be more remembered forever yeah. as a management lesson rather than a yeah okay we're going to take a break on
1: that note we've covered the definition uh, of the consumption sector the evolution on the other side of this break We're going to talk about the opportunity size, okay, where India stands in this massive and very important sector. And of course, how do you choose a very good stock to own over the long term in the consumption sector? Stay tuned for that. Hi, I'm Rani Skruvala, and uh, you've been listening to my podcast and the multiple chapters of my book, Dream With Your Eyes Open. And I think to that, I've had good chats here. And I think chapter 13, my book is all about Q&As, and I'm sure... There are more Q&As. Happy to answer them. So send them in and happy to have a dialogue with you on that. So if you'd like to ask Ronnie a question, send it to us at dreaming at ivmpodcast.com. If selected. We'll read out your question on the last episode and have Ronnie answer it. You can also send a question to us on social media at podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Welcome back to the Equity Saiya podcast. We're going to talk about the size and the opportunity of the consumption sector. My guest, Shreya Lunkar, CDBP at Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. Shreya, let's get into how Motilal Oswal sizes up the opportunity in this consumption sector. What's your framework? How do you really get into the core opportunity of the sector?
2: So the sizing part is, is, is an easy one, right? We typically land up spending about 9 to 10 lakh crores uh, as a country contextually you may want to think of it as you know pharmacy we spend about 1.3 1.4 lakh crores so within you know just from a context perspective you can think of it that we spend that much higher yeah uh, or you can even think about it from a car for cars we spend about two lakh crores or for bikes we spend about one lakh crore so fmcg category is really vast in the overall the,
1: uh, in the overall consumption theme it's probably what 10 times the others absolutely of you know, a, a, a pharma, five times out of autos
2: absolutely okay. so that is one way to think about it the second way of to think about it is very simple right at because fmcg is part of each one's life it will touch a a life of a poor to a life of a rich or super rich. So, uh, you know, the per capita kind of sometimes gives you a very good analogy of differentials that we are at versus our peers. So we consume typically one fourth of what China does. Or in other words, China consumes four times, four times four, yeah. per capita that India, India consumes. Indonesia consumes 2x of what India, India consumes. So there is that much headroom. That uh, we, for because for the same population, if China is consuming four times, why should we not? Yes. Even if you adjusted for the purchasing power parity, uh, we still should be consuming a lot more sure. than what we do. Having said that, when you further break this data point, a broad data point, there are two uniquealities. The first is linked to the income per capita threshold. Because China is way above the income per capita threshold versus India this differential of 4x is far more accentuated when you talk about discretionary categories versus a staple category. So just to give you an idea, say a bath and a shower category, which is a staple category, China is just about 1.6 times or one and a half times of India. However, say a skincare category or a cosmetic category, in China it is 15 times, cosmetic category is 25 times of what India is. So you know, that's when you get an idea that what the runway that discretionary typically can have sure. if 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 somebody gets it right. Now coming within India looking inward, so this was looking outward. Now when you look inward, you start, there's another interesting feature because India is also a story of two halves. Uh, one is the urban and one is the rural. Uh, within the urban and rural, the per capita differential is 3x. So the whole of India consumes one fourth of China But the rural India consumes one-twelfth of overall China. Wow. So the point I'm trying to make is a rural citizen of India consumes one-third of what urban consumes today. And this is a function of income per capita in general. So the point I'm trying to make is the next 10 to 15 years will actually be about bridging this divide.
1: Because even at 6 7% growth, we will be hitting a certain number very time, uh,
2: you know, in, in some time soon. Absolutely. And also that, and plus what is happening is that rural is also going through a lot of transformation. The government is focusing on making sure that the rural prospers, the, the real economic growth will be higher than the urban economic growth, mm-hmm. is the aspiration that the government has been pushing for the last five years. And if that was to happen, you will start seeing it. Second, what happens is that at a consumer level, Because they are consuming more data, mobile phones and data is becoming so prevalent even in the rural areas today. Aspiration wise, they are closing the gap between the urban Indians, because now they are much more aware, they are much more uh, easily, it's easy to communicate with them. And so aspirationally, they are so close now, the moment the income level catches up, the consumption will automatically catch up. So it's now not a function of awareness. Earlier, it was awareness and income levels. At least today, you can very safely say that awareness is kind of very well taken care of because the data boom we are seeing. But the income level is what will happen as we go ahead in the next 10 years. There are one or two interesting anecdotes. We just spoke about that uh,
1: before the recording. I want you to tell a l- listener because these anecdotes are something that. I honestly didn't think it was possible, right? You have two of them. One is on tap water, and the other is on LPG. Tell us about that.
2: So, you know, these, you know, many times the point of giving these anecdotes is just to make you think laterally sometimes that, uh, how something that happens can impact something completely unrelated. And uh, FMCG is part of daily lives in such a way that it actually, every, any positive impact on a standard of living impacts your FMCG consumption. So, just to give you an idea, say, running tap water. Today, we not all of us have running tap water. And that is a result why washing machine penetration is just about 15% today in India. Uh, we sell just about 1 crore washing machines a year for a population of 130, you know, crores, 130 crores, crores. Or yeah. you can think about it more like 25-30 crore households. Households, yeah, that's a
1: better comparison.
2: Uh, and you're, you're just consuming, selling 1 crore volumes, washing machines. Yeah. But that is because we don't have running water. Now the government is talking about getting running tap water in everyone's house. The moment that happens, you will start seeing premiumization in detergents that will go up. Because today you are using the soap bars to clean your, wash your clothes. Now you will start using uh, detergent uh, granules to wash your soap, uh, to wash your clothes. And this is also reflected if you look at it backwards. So if you see the recent data of last five, six years, the premium detergent has actually grown at 1.5 times of the overall detergent category. So your premium detergents is automatically growing the second anecdote is you know uh, lpg uh, in the last 5 years of india ruling they ensured that every rural household most of the rural households are now connected with lpg earlier they used to burn wood to cook food now they are getting they are using lpg to cook food so when they used to burn wood to cook food what used to be left used to be those ashes of the wood and that they used to use to clean the utensils. Hmm. Now, because LPG is going into their houses, they don't have ash to clean the utensils. And as a result, they are using more of the low-end, uh, you know, soap bars and yeah, all yeah. to clean the utensils. So, just imagine, just because of LPG, yeah. your detergent or soap consumption has gone up. Who would think in, that? Who would uh,
1: think? I mean, that's classic chaos theory, right? You never know that how, you know, like you said, effects, as they say, butterfly flapping its wings in somewhere can have some other connections. I want to talk about this uh, threshold of, uh, you know, per capita, we spoke about it before the break. I know that that's also a very important part of how you how how you size up the sector. So tell us about this 2000 US dollars per capita cap threshold and how probably we compare with China or other country.
2: So as we said, you know, when we look at when we analyze the patterns globally, India is typically 14 to 15 years behind China. China crossed $2,000 threshold in 2006 and after that, consumption hit a J-curve. Russia did the same in 2001 and after in the next five years, even in Russia, consumption grew by 3.2 times in the next five years. So there is reasons to believe that India will also witness what all these countries witnessed. India is crossing the $2,000 threshold as we speak in this year. Mm. So now the next five years or the next six years uh, will be the defining moment to see whether this theory which we've seen over the last 30-40 years globally, uh, will it replicate or will it repeat itself in India or not? The chances are very high of that repeating. The other part of it is even if you ignore this global benchmarks of threshold, the simple fact that India is becoming younger as a country, we are today the youngest country and even after five years, you will become even more younger than anyone else. Which means that they will consume more. Uh, uh, Typically, a youth population spends a lot more on discretionary than staples. Correct. Uh, And we would notice it around us. Yes, yes. Uh, The second part is that income per capita is also going up. So today, we start earning a lot early in our lives because of the entrepreneurial spirit or uh, different ways of uh, making money. As we go younger... And as the income goes up, there is no reason to believe that this consumption basket will not expand. Sure. Uh, this is, by default, the most easy forecast to make. That over the next 10 to 15 years, this continue to be a secular growth sector. Okay. Finally,
1: last part of the show, the meat. How do I choose a good stock to invest in for the long term in this consumption sector? What is the framework that Motia al uses?
2: So, in FMCG, as, as we discussed in, in different forms... What is very critical is two things. You need distribution and you need a brand. What makes a brand a brand? It makes two things. Innovation and you're able to market it better. Mm. The second thing is rather you need a company who has a lot of patience and who has a lot of wherewithal to keep trying with the Indian consumers. Because as I said, India is very heterogeneous. So you don't know which product clicks where. Mm. So you have to have that patience and that ability to sustain and test a product for long enough For consumers to take up to it and the last part is that you know when you look at discretionary investing in discretionary one thing you need to bear in mind is it is cyclical it is volatile so we shouldn't think of it as as secular as a staple category however this will be a high growth category for all the various reasons that we spoke in the past, hmm. so if you follow these two-three frameworks, you can create a you know you can create a a simpler understanding around companies and brands that you're connected with, and you can look at investment in that light.
1: Sure, fantastic. So, folks, that is a wrap on this episode of the Equity Say Have podcast, brought to you by Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. My guest was Shre Lunkar, Senior VP at Motilal Oswal Asset Management Company. We were talking about the consumption sector. Hope that was useful to you, Shay, Thank you so much for doing this for us.
0: Think fast. If I tell you I'm Parsi, what's the first thing that comes to mind? DhanSak, I don't blame you. My name is Perzan Patel. You may know me as the Barbie Bride. Though I run a popular Parsi food blog, the truth is, I didn't know anything about Parsi food until I got married. It was just my luck. He turned out to be your typical sadralega-wearing, kawab-khari-eating Parsi boy. And the only thing I knew was dhansak, or rather, how to eat it. But there's more to Parsi food than dhansak. And there is more to us than our obsession with eggs and our legendary Rani cafes. Welcome to Not Just Dhansak, a fresh new show where I talk to friends, fellow babas and Parsi entrepreneurs... About all things Bhonu, a little bit of history, a dash of Baba madness, and a lot of food talk. There's more to Parsis than meets the eye, and there's certainly more to us than Dhansaq. Join me every Tuesday as I talk to some of my favorite Parsis in the food space in India and beyond. I am the Bavi Bride, and this is not just Dhansaq.
2: Sachin Tendokar, Virat
1: Kohli, Don Bradman, and now Cyrus Brocha. Okay, probably not in the right company. I mean, Don Bradman is Australian. But it's called Cyrus Says. A wonderful show about everything. Find the show on the IVM Podcast app, IVMPodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Cyrus Says is brought to you by Storytel. Keep in mind that if you go through storytell.com slash IVM you get a 30-day free trial as against a 14-day free trial on the link, right? It's very simple. All you gotta do is log on to storytell.com slash IVM.
2: Millions and millions and millions of stories, many written by me.